We started Carolina Rail with one purpose in mind, to connect people in the Carolinas community through a simple broadcast that retained its authenticity and its original content. There are so many interesting people that I meet every single day through work or through networking or through my personal travels that I wanted to find a platform to connect these people with other people. And these can be philanthropists, these can be small business owners, they can be creatives. Honestly, anybody who has a unique story to tell and is open to connecting with other people. So join us on this journey. Who knows where this cascade of connections might lead us all. Two. All right, so hello, welcome. We are here with uh, Jordan, Jordan T. Robinson with um, jo uh, JTR Presents. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And you classify yourself as an independent curator, but before I kind of figure out what that means to me mm -hmm. and everyone else, a um, little story about how you and I met that I would like to talk about. So yeah. I, was, I was at the Mint Museum, was this two years ago, I think? Yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. Two years ago on a Wednesday night where it's free to get into the Charlotte Uptown Mint Museum to go see the fantastic works of art there. And you were at the desk with your gregarious smile and that's when I first, um, first met you and we ended up striking up a conversation and I handed out one of my little poker chips to you and you told me a little bit about your project and kind of... You know, I obviously at that time I expressed some interest in your projects. I thought it was fascinating. And I just kind of let it go from there and the universe would do its work. And then probably three months later, you actually texted me or emailed me, I believe. Um, or maybe I emailed you, I can't remember for either way. But we ended up connecting and we had mm -hmm. coffee and told, told me all about your project, which you're going to get a chance to talk about here in a second. And, uh, and so I'm kind of now part of some of the things that you have going on. So I'm excited about that. So... Tell me what an independent curator is, because I know sure. it only because I know you, but what does that actually yeah. mean? Sure. So on the textbook, so to speak, an independent curator is someone is a curator that isn't necessarily affiliated or associated with a museum or institution. So for example, you met me at the Mid Museum. I used to work part-time there, but I was not a curator there. So I wouldn't associate myself as a curator with the Mint Museum. Um, and with the project I'm about to talk about, because I'm doing it under my own brand, my own independent project, uh, that's what makes me an independent curator. Uh, some may consider it as like a freelance curator, because sometimes curators can be, can be invited in to curate or uh, provide counsel or be an advisor to an exhibition that's in the process of being made. But uh, essentially, it's a curator works on his or her own. And so that's the sort of official identity that I take by as, a, as an independent curator. And so, then with the J... So let me just dumb that down for my understanding. So basically, sure. you could theoretically work for a museum or an art gallery or something in the, in the artistic realm, and you would be responsible for either creating independent work of your own or finding independent artists or other artists to present as part of a show, as part of a gallery, as part of a crawl, whatever those, in, whatever those would be at that end of place where. Yes, but specifically shows and exhibitions. I mean, some curators are painters and make artwork, but essentially they're responsible for the exhibition. Um, so, so we seek artists to make that. 
Got it. So, because I remember you yelled at me one time when we had talked and I had posted some stuff on Instagram and like within seconds you had screamed at me telling me to get that down. <laughs> it was like a little whisper. <laughs> just a little whisper. I just completely ignored you, by the way. I was like, I'm not taking it down. It's just staying up. So. <laughs> it's fine. All, all, it's all good. You signed that model release, so FYI. Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. I'm joking. Um, I know. <laughs> right, so your background, I think you're originally from is it the Georgia area, Savannah area, you went to school and tell me about um, your educational background. Sure. Um, recently, Georgia, but long story short, I got my master's in uh, visual arts with a concentration in media design from North Carolina's A&T State University in Greensboro, North Carolina. Then I went to SCAD on scholarship to get my master's in arts administration in Atlanta. And after graduating, I went back to Charlotte with family to uh, start my career. Okay, so you are working on a relative, rather unique project, which, I, I, which is why I'd like to be involved with it and why I express so much interest. Can you tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on right now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm still, even like an hour or hours before this, I was thinking about how, what would be the best way to talk about it. So in brief summary, I am planning and producing an exhibition to raise awareness for the trans community in North Carolina. And this is based off of several influences, but one of them I'll, I'll bring out, a mentor of mine when I used to intern at Green Hill in Greensboro. The um, curator there, Edie Carpenter, had mentioned about the value of having socially conscious exhibitions and so while I, after school, after graduating from SCAD, I was thinking about, okay, what exhibitions do I want to make? What shows do I want to plan? And I thought about that bit of advice. And around that same time was right around the election when um, it was Trump versus Hillary. And so given what came out of that and also recent accounts, both personal and just generally speaking on the news, I thought it was important to have an exhibition about this community um, I felt that they were in the spotlight. And if we're gonna learn about this community and their role in the rest of our, of our communities, uh, we need to hear them tell us who they are in their voice. And I wanted to use art as a platform for that. So that really is the sort of essence and drive of this exhibition. Certain triggers that came out, the final straw for me was when 45 had made the executive order to dismiss and ban uh, transgender soldiers and service people. Um, and there was a soundbite going on about how trans is a burden or it's too much of a burden to support them. And I immediately thought about like the 1940s propaganda. I thought about like World War II propaganda and how that painted a negative picture on several different groups of people that affected a nation and their behavior and our culture towards them. So this exhibition, it is, it's really an exhibition about representation and how that affects people's reality and kind of investigate and open that door about the responsibility of how you paint people in the image, in a certain image. Um, and I think there's no better way than to let the source itself tell you about it itself, whether it's any community, um, trans, African-American, Hispanic, or, or men or women, just let the community tell you who they are and adapt to that. 
And so, so you opened, that's what I want to focus let me, on. Let me back you up for a second, because you opened up yeah. with the impetus, the catalyst for putting this together was some personal things and some general political landscape things that were going on. What were some of the personal things that were happening, if you don't mind me asking, that affected yeah. you? Yeah, sure. So about two years ago, I had produced this exhibition called Blank Hood. It was about identity and coming towards it. And the artists that I was working with and some of the community members, it was at the Carrick in Durham, and some of the community members had reached out to an artist that I was working with, and the artist told me himself from his networks that, you know, trans topics or the trans community wasn't really talked about in North Carolina. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. So I just kind of noted that and kept it in the back file of my mind. And then about last year, another artist I met in the Charlotte area, he expressed something, a similar concern, like the trans community isn't really talked about. It's kind of like a hidden thing in North Carolina. I was like, okay, you're like the second person to tell me this. this is kind of interesting. Um, so I just kind of kept it, again, followed in the back of my head, and he was thinking, proposing the idea. He, he even fed, kind of put the seed in my mind about this exhibition. So I just kind of read it as a sign that was being given to me that this might be important. Then when 45 made the executive order, something in me was like, this is the sign. Either you do this or you don't. And so I felt that that was, I think that was after the third time of this topic coming up and um, running into the trans conversations before that, it, I felt like this was sort of the universe telling me that, uh, well, from what I believe, God telling me that it, this is something you should be doing. Um, and do so you, I want to be an advocate. Do you personally have a label? Uh, yeah, I identify as African-American, cisgender male. And by, for those who don't know what cisgender is, uh, cisgender means that you identify your gender with the sex that you're assigned to at birth. Um, it's the opposite from trans, where someone may have, despite what sex they were assigned to at birth, they identify as the other sex, or something in that spectrum, or doesn't identify with any gender identity at all. Those are your called bi uh, non-binaries. Side note. Uh, so those are my current labels. I also am bisexual. So as part of the LGBTQIAP spectrum, I'm also within that spectrum. Um, and of course, I'm an American. So the labels, so I, I despise labels between you so and I. We've had this conversation before, but for the purposes mm -hmm. of, of the curation of this project, mm -hmm. you kind of have to have some labels, I think, so that you can identify what the project is, correct? Yeah, it, it's more, I think of it more so as a navigational, a way of navigating, especially if you don't identify in certain communities, like I'm not trans. And I, I'm still learning as I'm going on. In fact, I'm using the community in Charlotte themselves to, as like my advisors and counsel. Um, and I, I've been attending support group meetings hosted by Transcend Charlotte and Time Out Youth. They've been collaborating. So there's a safe space for the trans community to come together and support each other. And they've so graciously invited me in so I can learn. So, I mean, even little things from like the proper way to ask people about their pronouns. Uh, don't ever assume pronouns. If you're not sure, you can use pronouns such as they or them. Uh, and also learn about trans issues. What, what is going on with the culture of that community? So I'm still learning. And so I use these labels as a way of navigation. But beyond that, I really try to avoid, like even with my own labels, yes, I'm African-American, bisexual, um, uh, and a male, but only in context where 
that would matter in a conversation. Is there um, a large trans community in Charlotte and North Carolina in general, a visible trans community? Or is it- um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I'm still learning. It, there is definitely a presence. It is definitely a, a presence. I'm not sure how big, but um, recently, I was, when I first started doing this, I have to go back and I'll see the, the article link for it, but for the brief research that I did look up, the, there's a high concentration of LGBT in general in North Carolina, especially in like Asheville area. And so the idea of this project was to go to all the major cities. What I noticed both, not just in North Carolina, but just within our country, um, it seems that your major cities and metropolitan cities tend to have a higher concentration of LGBTQIAP communities. So assuming that theory is true, I've been targeting the, like, the top six most populated cities in North Carolina. This includes uh, Charlotte, Asheville, uh, Winston-Salem, uh, Wilmington, Durham and Raleigh, and then uh, Greensboro. So these are your major cities in the state, to my awareness. And like I said, I'm still learning more about it. And I'll send you the, the references uh, if you post this anywhere. But based on that information, to my understanding, there's a growing community. They tend to be in your major city areas, um, which tend to be more liberal. We had a similar case in Atlanta there was a study that had stated or suggested that 12% of the Atlanta population identified as LGBT. So there, and this is, this is probably a naive statement, maybe not, but from my perspective in terms of news around the community of the non-heterosexual identifying labeling humans, trans mm -hmm. seems to be less visible than gay or lesbian. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement and a fair presumption. Um, in fact, that was a, a, a conversation about a couple of times. There was a, there's actually an effort right now by Charlotte Pride. Uh, the staff there, they did an open forum for trans leaders and those and supporters of the trans community to come together and think about programming ideas that Charlotte Pride can either assist or sponsor or collaborate with so that there is programming and there is something for the community because there's a growing presence. And it was stated that the trans community, even within the LGBT community, can sometimes be overlooked. Uh, and then recently at the, the, the LGBT Chamber of Commerce in Charlotte had made, um, uh, had announced that there was an announcement from our president again about the trans community and the spokesperson emphasized about the need to take care of one another, to support one another, to uplift one another, including our trans community. So there, it, there is a tendency to be overlooked at, even within the own uh, community, and, but there are people that are addressing that. So, so you've made a couple of references to the current um, political presidency and some of the policies that are being set forth and some of the mandates and news. I'm just not gonna give that any energy, just so I'm not ignoring you when you say, it. I'm just not gonna give that any energy. Um, yeah, no, I'm only referencing it just so there's, so you understand where some of the sources are coming from. Yeah, no, no, I understand. I just, it's nonsense, yeah. all of it. And oh, yeah. Give it energy. So, yeah. so when you are, when you are preparing and prepare for this show and you're trying to find, for lack of a better word, candidates who could be feature, featured um, subjects or featured clients or featured artists and that sort of stuff within this gallery or this exhibition, how do you approach someone like that when you find 
when you when you find someone who's in the trans community who you might want to approach to be part of the show or you might want to approach to 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 collaborate with how do you approach someone like that and have you gotten any pushback on it so far not really so much as pushback as much as advice like i said since talking about this exhibition i mean especially in the charlotte community where i started uh everyone's been receptive both lgbt and non they've been very well receptive to the idea and i've been getting advice along the way i'm still am as i'm moving with different administrators from nonprofits, different supporters, donors um, on, on either on this project or other efforts. As far as approach, when I meet an artist, especially an artist that I think would be great for the exhibition, I just come to them as, hey, my name is Jordan. I am planning on producing an exhibition to raise awareness. Uh, I immediately talk about the mission and vision of the project. So it's to raise awareness of the trans community, uh, and I want to use art as a platform to help that community tell their stories. And that oftentimes, just like how I told you and uh, when we first met, and that usually helps. So, so I, speaking of labels, I, I'm, I would be considered a heterosexual male. I don't have any, any uh, ties to trans or lesbian or the gay community in terms of that standpoint. But my interest in being involved in the project is, you know, I, I believe in the platform of love and kindness and everyone's all interconnected. And so, you know, your project fascinates me, which is why I want to be involved in it. So have you received pushback from people that may or may not be part of the project, but have heard about it and have offered any sort of dis dis disservice, dissident advice on it? Thankfully, no. Um, and I pray that stays that way. Like I said, really, it's been more so advice. So when I first started talking about it, one of the advice that I was told, or one of the questions I was asked too is, do you have trans artists? Which at that time, no. And then I met the, the, the support group, which then connected me to trans artists. And now I do. Uh, and I want this, even though it's highlighting a particular community, it's also highlighting artists. And I want it to be all inclusive because by the end of the day, we're all people. Uh, and so that has been a personal challenge that I, I'm taking pleasure in is how do you highlight a specific group of people while still being inclusive to all? Um, in fact, the kind of the message of we're all of value and here is the highlighted reasons. Um, but the other advice that I was given was to think about representation. You know, remember I'm a cisgender male. Uh, so do I have a co-curator that's trans? And now I do. Uh, and do I have anyone else in leadership or am I contributing to leadership within the trans community? So those are things I'm thinking about now and trying to absolve and not absolve, resolve and, and address. So that's the closest thing to like a pushback I've been given is just be careful because uh, there are numerous accounts of people, whether it's trans or not, whatever the label is of someone that's kind of not, that doesn't identify with the subject, but they come in as a spokesperson or representative or speaks somehow as such. So the main advice I was given is just be careful of that. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So in a perfect world, what does this exhibit, exhibit look like? It's opening tomorrow, theoretically. I'm just perfect. Yeah. What, what exactly does it look like to you? So for me, <laughs> I like to go big. So for me, I think of it as an exhibition that takes several days. Um, well, programming-wise, it's a several-day event, like a weekend-long event, um, a reception, just to get people together, something formal, get people comfortable, 
uh, maybe even a concert band, kind of like what we do on first Fridays up in Greensboro in the triad area. And then either that night or the following day have a community, like use the, the reception or programming as a community forum. Have people in both local communities and beyond come together and talk about the art, talk about the work, talk about the themes that they touch on, talk about the artists and what influences them. And then transition that conversation onto okay, well, what community think, like what issues and sources does this community face and how can we help each other to address that? Uh, that's what I did with my last exhibition, uh, talking about identity, talking about the artists, having them do a panel discussion about them, talk about their work and their influences and how it relates to identity. And then we then transition the conversation from that to identity of a community and how can we come together to address the identities that we have to push towards the identities we want to have and um, how can we how can art essentially contribute to that so those are the main questions and main topics i try to touch on whenever i do facilitate this panel discussion and then after that go back to partying but then follow up with your community leaders with people that are interested um, and try to find and try to track the actions that happens afterwards uh, from, from what experience I have had within the arts, we're really good at raising awareness, generating an interest, uh, facilitating a desire, but when it comes to action, specifically tracking the actions, I think that's where we're at now in terms of how do we make that, how do we do that better, um, both for established institutions and people that are out in the community doing uh, different efforts like Marcus Kaiser. He did this huge project that temporarily employed some of the homeless because he needed assistance to paint this mural. And he was talking about the potential of that providing the homeless job, working job skills to help them get the jobs they need to get the funds to not be homeless. And I was like, that's a great idea. That's awesome. You had me all the way down to desire. Now, as far as actions, how do we track it? How do we make that go better? How do we link that up to the people who can support them better and help them on their way back in terms of addressing the problem of homelessness. And that was just a small conversation and a side note, but those are examples I'm looking at about how art can help humanity both in and out of what's, uh, what's traditional. So are you looking, as you move this, this is gonna be a repeatable process in the various cities that you cited, Charlotte, Asheville, Greensboro, Raleigh, Durham, and I forget the sixth one you said, but all right, so you're looking to partner with some of the local leadership within these cities to help promote this show so that you can get the bandwidth exposed to a variety of yeah. audience that you might not know to be able to target? Yes, so that, and right now the main focus is the workshops. I want, I'm looking for partners to help facilitate the space to connect artists with the trans community so we have a formal space to then meet, connect, collaborate, and then based on the relationships formed between those two groups, uh, just facilitate it and nurture it and have y'all have the freedoms to do the work that you wanna do. And then in Raleigh, have a space or a venue to host all of it or as much of it as we can. Uh, originally I had planned the exhibition have no more than hundred pieces. Since then I have lifted that limit. So, um, because I do want to promote everyone, but also want to highlight, again, the trans community and the artists that are uh, contributing to it. So there's, a, there's actually a decent number of US senators, congressmen and women that, are, that identify themselves as LGBT in that space. 
have you had or have you thought about reaching out to any of them to enlist some sort of support and has, have you had any success with that? Yes, um, I have thought about it. I have not reached out yet. I just finished because I'm doing everything through an automated system for something as large as that. And I did the same way as how I reached out to the LGBT organizations or organizations that serve LGBT throughout the whole state. So right now, I'm just now hearing back from the organizations that serve the, the trans community throughout the state in different cities. So I'm facilitating those conversations. But while I'm doing that, I'm starting to reach out the same sort of mass message to those elected officials. Uh, I haven't heard, well, I haven't launched it yet. So when I do hear back, I can then do the same thing as I did with these organizations. Do you have a and, social media presence for this itself? Or is it yeah. a personal page? There's an Instagram feed or a Facebook page just for this program? Uh, not just for this, it's for the JTR Presents brand. Um, it's all underneath the umbrella. The JTR Presents, the mission and vision of it is to expand and secure the value of art and design. And so this project is one of many that I wanna to do to build case studies of why the arts are important, why design is important. And so it's all underneath that brand. So it's jtrpresents.art as far as the main website. On the social media page, put in JTR Presents on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you'll find those pages, which will then link you back to the main website, which will give you all the information. And in fact, I'm still planning right now all the social media content to have to host these conversations, spread the word, raise awareness, and uh, solicit action from people. So that's all that I'm doing on the logistic administrative side for this month and next month, um, as well as facilitate those conversations. And then as each partnership comes together, um, then act on it. Tell people, hey, we're having this event at this place hosted by this organization at this date, come by. And then kind of go that process. After, after that, everything should be clockwork. I'd like to switch gears for a little bit, kind of going back to Jordan and you as a child. Sure growing up and kind of go, going back to the labels of, of whatnot. At what point in your life and growing up, were you fully supported by your parents in terms of the choices that you've made and who you identify with and, and all that sort of stuff? And at what point in your life or what sort of catalytic events occurred in your life that have kind of shaped who you are today and got you to this space? Oh, wow. Um, that's, there's a lot in that question. I'm just breaking it down in my head. So essentially, at what point were my parents supportive? And so, I don't know how old you are, but you're, you're at an age where you know, growing up as a child, you know, obviously it was still scorned to be anything different than a heterosexual male or a heterosexual female. And so yeah. obviously, at what point did you realize you, you were different than the average heterosexual person and you were brave and bold enough to kind of identify with that label? At what point in your life did that occur? Ah, uh, okay. As far as the bravery. I've got all those questions for you. So that's the first one. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so as far as having the courage to, to come to terms with it was at around 21. I was about to graduate from ANT. And I, for a long time, had wrestled with it because, like, from seventh grade on to that point, uh, I was battling what, like, am I straight or am I gay? And trying to figure out what that is about or why do most people that I come across feel comfortable enough to tell me they thought I was gay? Um, and a bunch of other stuff. So, at 21, I finally came to terms with it, and I was okay admitting it. And I admitted it to my parents, and I was afraid because I had friends who lost family and friends after coming out. 
and they were supportive. They were very supportive. They were, if anything, they're more disappointed about me not being comfortable enough to tell them because they've always tried to make an environment where I can tell them anything and everything if I wanted to. And it took me- How far before 21 though, did you have that sort of cognition about it? Oh, about like my identity? Um, I said seventh grade, so I was around 12, 13 years old. I noticed a pattern that other kids kept saying that either I was different or that they thought I was gay. And I was just kind of, at that time, was actually understanding what that meant. And so I did some experiments and I was like, yeah, no, I don't know. I really don't know. And I had like an identity crisis at 13. And so that was a very long process to, to figure out. And then at 21, it was just a matter of like, just being, just being in that space and being okay about it. And I'm still in that sort of phase. At 13, you're in North Carolina still, right? Yeah, I had just moved to Charlotte from Greensboro. Uh, I spent my childhood. 13 is what, middle school? Late? Yeah, 13 is middle, middle school, seventh, eighth grade. And at that time, did you have resources within the school that you could, you could counsel in? There was a counselor, but I had no idea how to use one. <laughs> so I didn't really bother. I thought a counselor was really only there if you got into a fight or if you did something drastic. So I didn't do anything drastic. And when it, since moving to Charlotte, I stopped getting into fights. So um, I just didn't see a need for a counselor. And then at like 21, I started working at a summer camp that had a counselor at, um, on Duke, at Duke University. And so after being told about mental health and the importance of it, or just like the health benefits of getting a counselor, I was like, let me try it out. So after speaking to a counselor, which helped, but I didn't talk about that identity specifically, it was about other stuff. Um, but just getting able, being able to use those resources got a lot easier. So the show is scheduled to present when? When are you trying to target the, the first? So I'm looking for a venue space right now for a gallery. I'm looking at galleries in Raleigh now that are willing to host the space. But I want to have this exhibition in Raleigh in, uh, Raleigh in November of 2019, so this year. Uh, Charlotte and Asheville are contingency cities, like locations, if I can't find anything within the next few months. Um, but I primarily want it to be in Raleigh because I think for an exhibition like this and talk about in terms of raising awareness, what better way to do it than do it at our state's capital? Um, as well as since I am reaching out to elected officials to even reach out to our governor, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I think is stationed in Raleigh. So it would make sense to just do it in Raleigh. But if it doesn't turn out, then Charlotte being the biggest, most populated city in the state, or Asheville, which has the highest concentration of LGBT communities, I think would be another um, way of raising, another, another good way of raising that awareness and making a cultural statement. And how many artists are already signed up to be participating presenters? So I had to pull my list out, but I already have about seven, you included. And like I said, I had lifted the max, the, the max limit for it. So it's all inclusive. Any and, any and all artists that want to participate, I would love for them to email me at jtrpresents at gmail.com. Uh, but anyone who wants to participate, the doors are open as well. Anything that you would like to use to continue promoting the program in terms of local local Charlotte artists or any sort of networking capacity that you're attending or being involved with that you could 
use as a platform for this? Is it so? What are some of the what are some of the branding and marketing that you're doing to publicize this locally? Ah, I see. So right now I'm reaching out to well the art the, the the organizations that have reached back to me and are interested and we're in discussion. Um, I won't give too much details until things are finalized, but organizations such as Charlotte Pride, um, Transcend Charlotte, uh, Common Girl Coffee, it's a comic book store that uh, hosts and promotes comics and other works of art and productions by people of color, women, and the LGBT community. And so they've already shown interest, and so we're talking about how to use their resources, how we collaborate, how we can collaborate for the workshops in, in Charlotte to connect artists with the trans community. Um, I've been speaking specifically with certain uh, leaders within that community and how can we arrange that. So it's really been all logistics. And I recently heard back from a board member from the Raleigh LGBT Chamber of Commerce and the someone had recently introduced me to the LGBT Center in Greensboro. And I just heard back from the same curator I interned with at Green Hill. She's interested in hosting a workshop in Greensboro. So right now I'm planning to use those spaces, cross promote, to use as the workshop, cross promote, and then the organizations, the LGBT organizations I've also come in contact with, like Rain, for example, I wanted to invite one of them into these workshops. So as we're making artwork, as we're collaborating, uh, anybody who needs resources from Rain or from uh, Nikki Earson, the androgynous model, or from Flex Jones, the entertainer in Winston-Salem, and the services they provide, if anybody needs those, then they, right, a representative's right there to get in touch. So this is an idea of not just a workshop between the two communities coming together, but I want this to be also a, a moment where these organizations can tap into more people uh, to continue their mission and vision. Um, I think I mentioned it to you when we last spoke, but uh, Charlotte Creative Mornings is, yes. is probably a really good venue as well. And, and I've mentioned your name to them in a couple of different capacities, and they're interested in having some conversations with you about that. So um, I, mm -hmm. I will get that information over to you. It, it's a, Thank you I, so I, much. I went to my first event um, last month, and the energy and the the energy and the fervor in that space of all of these people that just came together to, you know, spend time for roughly 90 minutes and people had platforms to talk and it was an open QA session and just a bunch of open-minded art artists and small business owners in that space. It was fantastic. It'd be a good area for you to, if, if I don't mind saying it, for you to be involved and expose what you're trying to do. Yeah, you, you already got me on that one. I'm, when you send it over, I will contact you immediately. Um, Devo, there was some, uh, the, when you broke down one of the more personal questions, there's one thing I wanted to, sh that I feel like I should share too, um, if you don't mind me sharing. Okay. Um, so in all of this, I think about, um, I'm very spiritual, I was raised Christian, I still uphold the, the Christian teachings, but one, and with that said, I think about, in Matthew's, Christ talks about summing up the 10 commandments into two so the first one was love god with all your mind heart and being but the second one um he mentions in all that you do love your neighbor as yourself and so with all that i had just shared with you i mean i think that is the real core of all of this both me personally and professionally uh, i'm trying to use my love of art my personal passion for helping people um 
in that sort of teaching to how do I use all that to love my neighbor as myself. And um, with the trans community, even though I don't identify as, therefore I can't relate to everything that this community goes through, but being African-American coming from lead a, a family of community leaders and people who have experienced racism, discrimination, and um, malice intent, to some degree, I have some idea of what it's like to be ostracized, to be ridiculed, to be painted in a negative image, or even to be concerned about your image, or even be concerned about what other people think, because their actions towards you is based on how they perceive you. And um, the kind of anxiety and mental stress that puts on you. Uh, that part, I think I can relate, and that's also what makes me want to be an advocate. And my own spin on that is if you want to love your neighbors yourself, your first step is to get to know them. So ask an adventure. I love that. I find it fantastic that you still espouse to be uh, of a religious background, especially, specifically Christian religious background, when a large majority of Christian org organizations, and I think this is changing, by the way, Christianity itself is changing. It is. In terms of its, its ideologies around this particular topic. Um, the bandwidth of, of the human consciousness, which is expanding. Yeah. It's forcing them to have to change. But I still think it's fantastic. And uh, it's a, a testimony to yourself that even though you still espouse to be a Christian and you still espouse to be religious and spiritual, that the very group of people that have ostracized a large segment of this population over time is still one that you fully support and, and vouch for. So I think that's a testimony to yourself. And that's fantastic. I appreciate that, but also going back to your hatred, of, well, our shared hatred of labels. I, and this is where I agree with you about sort of the, the issues about getting caught up with labels. Cause I think when you get, I think the common thing we dislike about it is when you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you think about a label and kind of the things that are associated with it, it's harder to imagine, oh wait, there's people that may identify as this that don't necessarily check all the boxes. Um, and in that particular case, you know, what is even Christian is something I, I personally had to constantly challenge. But to me, those two commandments, I think were the most, those are really the only tenets that as a Christian and following the teachings of Christ, you have to go by. Um, that's just my personal belief. Everything else are nuances that can change. Um, but anyway, well, it's I'm about to rant. No, I love the rant. The funny thing about labels is the minute you give something a label, the, the infinite, infinite number of possibilities that mm -hmm. once existed now, yeah. now shrink down exponentially because you're now right. locked into parameters of a label and the mm -hmm. label is defined by a set of rules and regulations which is typically governed and policed. And so... Um, right whether you call yourself a Christian or you call yourself a Muslim or you call yourself any label for that matter, gay, straight, heterosexual, you're suddenly confined by the limitations of what that label has historically provided. And so right. I, I don't believe in labels for that reason because I, I don't identify as gay, I don't identify as straight, I identify as someone who likes what I like and that's what I do and that's really how I'm gonna live my life. And so- um, And honestly, that's the most natural thing. I mean, even, I think, for people who either take up a label or don't, I think that's really the, the root of all of this. Like really 
don't get hung up on the labels more so just what what do you like to do what do you want to do what do you believe in um well it's less about programmed all our lives to identify with a label all our lives have been programmed to do that right and so right breaking free from that program is is essential to not identifying right right and i mean i'm talking about like as far as personal freedoms so for those who don't who, who do break the who do break that that out of that cycle that's one way i think another way too is you know redefining what defines those labels too like i don't have to do this that and the other to be identified the labels that i want to identify as so i think contributing to this talk about personal liberation i think breaking the rules is great and breaking the sort of confines is great but also changing them i think is just as pleasurable too um which just makes it all the better i don't know i just feel liberated even talking about it, uh, being able, because for a long time, uh, when I was learning more about LGBT, specifically gay, a lot of people that I met at the time weren't really religious or of faith because of being ostracized or, um, or because of that being judged. But with this change we're observing, to me, I feel like there's another sign of like, yeah, you can break the rules, but also they can change. And over time, they'll change anyway. I think it's, you tell, uh, Kara Walker is another artist, she had said, you take the you take the identity you want to take, and then focus on defining what that is. So, if you want to be an artist, say you're an artist, and then go find out or make what what make what defines an artist. Um, and I thought that was a really empowering movement, and I think that's what keeps me going. Because uh, a couple of times I've been stuck before, even with this project, and with a few other times I tried to advocate for people or just help my neighbor and love my neighbor. Uh, you know, I felt restricted because I was like, well, I'm not of this group, so I shouldn't do anything. And no, that's not really the case. If you want to help, if you want to take care or you want to care for somebody, then go do it. Um, and that's something that's still pushing me to this day with this project and with everything else that I do. All right, I love that. We're coming up against to the, the buffer of time here. So a couple, All right. just a couple of last minute things in a word. Sure. In a word, if you can, I know this is difficult. Who are you? In one word, who are you? Uh, compassion. Everything I do, it is to be close to people, be closer to people, and to care for people. Fantastic. All right, it's been a pleasure. I, th- I appreciate you coming on. So just so you understand, we'll re- this has been uh, pre-recorded, and then mm-hmm. I will share content with you and I would love for you to distribute it to your channels and, and any cascade that this could bring for you. I hope that it, it works out for, and I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to being part of the show. So thank you for inviting us to be part of it. Yeah. And honestly, uh, Devo, I really appreciate you bringing me on board with what you're doing with this project. I mean, from what we talked about with some of the stuff that you're doing, I, I really, I really am excited to be a part of, even with this recording and some of the work that you're doing with again telling the lives and stories of people and uh i appreciate it and i think that in all these things i think the whys of it i think is what connects us all together absolutely absolutely all right thank you my friend i'll see you soon likewise take care